I am Justin here with Mark. We are minutes past, or minutes removed from the latest episode of Euphoria. Mark, how are you doing this week, sir? I was doing good this week. I was doing good up until the past uh, 20 minutes. Right. And now the energy that I feel... You had, a different, you had a different energy when you walked into this show than when you had walking out. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, I think we both did. But... Uh, before we start today's show, uh, thanks once again to everybody for all of the support on last uh, week's episode. People are really getting into the Green Awards, Mark. Yes. They love it. They love the yes. Green Awards. I love, I love putting um, everybody onto the lingo, first and foremost. Shout yeah. out to Skip, who has given me very good feedback on everything that we've done for uh, Overly Medicated. Was not positive how we were using the terminology of green and requested this week that we give a little bit of an insight. Um, green is a little bit of lingo that we use out in South Florida that pretty much illustrates somebody that is not acting the best being pretty fucked up being pretty <laughs> um I, I think i think that's pretty much the best term that you could use for being green yeah and and since euphoria is about a whole lot of jits <laughs> yes which, is, which are young young kids young yes. wild kids teenagers we, we found it fit best to, to have the green awards a lot of lot of green going on in yeah. this entire series. We're going to have our top three that's going on this week. But for those who are not very familiar with what we were trying to entail with the Green Award, that is what is going on. Mm-hmm. A lot of people being distrustworthy, um, setting people up, being fucked up. We had to make sure that we give them an award each week. Absolutely. And uh, before we get to the episode, once again, uh, really, really good episode this week, I got to say. Uh, compared to Big Little Lies, which uh, was not a fan of that finale uh, tonight, but uh, the the Euphoria playlist, Mark, you put you put me onto this this week, and I listened to quite a bit of it. It's it's on Apple Music. You just type in Euphoria; it'll be a playlist uh, from Apple Music. Has yeah. songs from the show, and what really threw me off about this was I think I think you know Mark can agree with me here. I don't remember a lot of these songs being in the fucking episode. There's a lot of stuff in this playlist. If you have Apple Music, just take a look at it. I, 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 it has to be titled something related to Euphoria. But um, songs from will, Euphoria. Songs, from, songs Euphoria. from Euphoria will be the name of the playlist. If you do have Apple Music, um, type that into your search bar, and you will be able to find it. it has a nice covers and die on there, um, along with all the other Euphoria art. But you'll see a lot of the songs that maybe you've questioned and, and, and wanted to know what songs were they 
when you heard them actually play. Some of them are, of course, um, known hits that we've heard plenty of times, just listening to music in general. Um, a lot of ones that you can can't, do deep dives into. Away. Cannot get away from Labyrinth, All for Love on this on this show. And then they have the song on the playlist, and it's not the same version of the song we hear on the show every single 10 minutes. Yeah, every single 10 minutes we just hear the ho, did it all for love. <laughs> but then but then there's other songs that are on there that um you might not be familiar with there there was a doja cat song on there i was like did they play doja cat at any time this series yeah i in allegedly it was in episode uh three i think and i don't remember hearing that like a couple of them i do remember because you know, it's during scenes where they're not talking, but a lot of times the, the kids are talking through all of these scenes or they're abridged cut versions of these songs that only play the beat or something like that. Mm-hmm. I remember you showed so me I, the, uh, <laughs> you were like, when the hell did they play Fredo Bang? And I was like, it had to be, <laughs> it had to be an ashtray scene. Yeah, pretty much. Like it, I, I could imagine that a lot of the, those types of songs are played during those scenes, but then there's like Scar Lord and all that. I was just like, I don't remember half of this shit. Like maybe I'm just, it's just gone past me, I guess. They do very good ways of sneaking these songs into there. And the best things about their soundtrack um, has been just the fact that a lot of it is what um, teenagers or, or those are around the age of everybody that is in Euphoria as of right now are interested in. And they don't mm-hmm. really do too heavy into one genre. I know a lot of the titles that have been going on in season one have been things like Oh Three Bonnie and Clyde, of course, to this to this week's episode, the next episode. Um, so the titles might be rap referenced, but there are a lot of different genres that they have covered within this playlist. And you'll be able to see it when you see it. So big props to the um, musical director that we had found out this week ends up being Labyrinth. Yes, uh, and there's also a, there's a huge team of people that do the music and pick the music for the show. Uh, they do a great job. They do a great job. They do a great job tonight, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of tonight, uh, very tough episode to do as far as, you know, how we usually do a tiered uh, rundown from the least most least important storyline to the important one. Um, everyone pretty much was, it was a very concealed, condensed episode. No Maddie, not a lot of Maddie this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of a lot of people in this episode. Uh, big, a, a huge focus on Lexi, who for the first time in my notes gets her own section. Thank God. And uh, I'd have to say, if I from looking at my notes, I'd have to say Cat uh, probably has the least integral storyline, but still enough for her to be very, very green. How do you feel about Cat on this episode? Um. You know what, Kat? I, I've done my best. I've done my best in protecting <laughs> her growth. Those and are growth. It's her growth now. I'd say. Yeah. I'd say. I'd say it's her growth. Okay. I'd say. I'd say everybody who's a fan of Cat has been very interested in her growth, finding herself, finding her voice, who she is at her age as of right now. She hasn't had many green moments in the past couple of episodes. Oh God! Anyone, despite, anyone listening? Anyone listening? Please point out this line. You know, despite despite the fact that on Twitter there might be plenty that think that she should be in the top three green award every week. I disagree. I disagree. But this week, I can't. I I, I have to fall back. I'm sorry, Cat. Sorry, Barbie. We have to have a discussion on Cat's mentality this week. Yeah, we're going to get to that very soon. 
so this week we pick up uh, with Kat. She's throwing a Halloween party. Uh, the the very much hyped up Halloween party that we've been seeing in the previews is at her house. Uh, her parents went out of town for some, uh, just randomly, I suppose. Uh, and uh, we also find out that she's been collecting the fucking bag. She has four. <laughs> she has four regulars on her cam. Is it a cam soda? She just, she just what, what what site is it? It's OnlyFans. I don't know. I don't even think it's OnlyFans. Didn't she sign up to Pornhub? Yeah, you you can do that on Pornhub. I don't I don't frequent those types of sites. I I have no idea if if Pornhub is doing that. You know, shout out to that monetization. But I think that she has four regulars that she has from time to time, um, and uses that for a lot of the money that she receives as of right now. And because of that, since she's had these four regulars literally doing whatever the fuck she wants, uh, that she asks of them, uh, she hasn't really been t- doing too much outside of those past four. There have been people that have requested to do cams, you know, uh, whatever hundreds amounts of dollars for 30 minutes. She turns them down and just wants to stay in within that realm of four. But we do get a little bit of a sneak peek into somebody who has been a little bit more interested past um, just the small amounts of money that she's been receiving from those other four. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, she's living large or so we think. Uh, so there is something that I do want to mention here. They mentioned that there is a mysterious person who keeps hitting her up, asking her. He asked her for like $300 for 30 minutes, uh, said money is no issue, but she curves him. Pretty quick scene there. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling we're going to see a lot more of that. And uh, I mean, we're two episodes left, maybe next episode. She uh, w- she was in the bathtub and pretty much saw well, got a notification from her phone from Amazon had her whole entire list of wish lists that she had referenced in past episodes that she would show to um, the first person that we saw when she started camming. Uh, but he copped every little thing that existed on her wish list, completely cleared it out and said, are you still positive that you don't want to do this? And that was mainly it. She just looked shocked. Her whole wish list is now bought out and they move that on. was all we got from that. Yeah. They, they move on pretty quickly from that. Uh, this episode, uh, in, in a lot of ways mirrors episode four in that it has all of the characters at once doing different things in the same area, which I do think that the show does very well. at. Mm-hmm. I think that when they're very, when they're separated, it gets kind of muddled at times because it has have a hard time keeping up with what's going on when it is like when they're all in the same spot as they are in this party. And as they were at the carnival, the drama is heightened. I, I feel a lot more tense there. Yes. I, I, I like when the show does the ensemble moments like that, because it, it definitely, uh, definitely like makes a, a difference as far as telling the story and as far as just having all these storylines inter you know interweaving because cat interweaves and a lot of people's storylines uh particularly mckay and also uh jules and rue as well mm-hmm. and, and and sometimes when it comes to those uh areas where everybody's separate and everybody's telling their own story you kind of fall back and, and have to rely on rue as a narrator almost because she kind of has to tell the story of all these different types of pieces so when everybody's in one area and all their stories are being told without uh the narration i feel yeah. like it's it's been very enjoyable and of course like you said we see that from the carnival and you see that very well in the way that they portrayed this halloween party with everybody yeah uh it it's it's great and uh one thing that happens with cat very low on cat but very integral uh, to, to the growth of herself and ethan ethan wilds out for respect this episode i gotta i gotta give him can we do like a, a anti-green award can we do like a, a, a shout out award because I, I think two people deserve it this episode like ethan was wilding for fucking respect 
But Kat, of course, is still giving him the cold shoulder. He walks up to her and said and asks her about the carnival, and she still cuts him down. Yeah. It's it's apparently a very hard thing for her to do to just tell him why she, you know, she pieced out on him and ghosted him for so long. Uh, she basically says, you know, we're never gonna be boyfriend and girlfriend. If you want me to fuck you, just let me know. And she basically goes off. And at that point, I texted Mark Green. I should have sent it with the echo effect, but I didn't. But I texted you green and you had to you had to agree with me there. Uh, even just looked so stunned because the con- the only conversation that they've had about the carnival was in class. And at that point, Kat really did not want to talk about it at all. Uh, he had said, hey, I sent you a couple texts and you didn't uh, say anything. She's like, uh, I ain't getting them shits. I ain't getting them shits, bro. I don't know. Curve them. She's like, are, are you sure? Because uh, I got my read receipts on and uh looks like you're right. <laughs> and she was like, uh, I, don't, I don't remember that shit. We ain't got to talk about it. And that was the only conversation that they had had. So that is still on Ethan's mind. And when they head to the Halloween party, that's the first thing that he asks. And Kat pretty much responds and says, you know, we, we, it's, it's pretty much a response is very similar to a lot of the things that she has had on her mind this past week. We can cut all the small talk out, call the bullshit out. If you want to hook up, we can hook up. But uh, there's no way that we are going to pursue anything that you may be interested in. And this is the first time that we really see that Ethan might be interested in things of Kat that are outside of the other uh, people that she has been interacting with within these past few weeks. But the thing is, that causes Ethan to pretty much, as I said, wild off for respect. He and throw a Hail Mary, yes. <laughs> yeah, he, he corners her in, the, in her bathroom and starts to you know make out with her. Uh, at this point, you start to see that Ethan is kind of going for, you know, what she told him to do because mm-hmm. he feels as though that's the only way that he can connect with her because that's just what she is now. Uh, there was a really cool line. We asked her if she's like a slutty nun and she describes her fucking movie to him. And he's just like, uh, OK, <laughs> it's like, yeah, hilarious. It's right. but uh, so Kat basically, again, her greenness here, I have to say, bro, <sighs> uh, yeah, Kat, it was it was. It was bad this weekend. What is up with this show and people asking about body counts? I don't get it. And it was just so random. Like, in the middle of the makeout, she was like, what's your number? And I was like, phone number? What the fuck does that matter right now? But then she was like, nah, the number of people that you had sex with. And I was like, oh, no, Ethan's a virgin. Oh, Mm -hmm. no. He's like, "Uh, you mean, like, doing it, doing it? Yeah. And she was like, yeah, what the hell are you talking about? So he says, you know, uh, not really had sex sex. He's a virgin. Kat says, I don't fuck virgins. I like to be with people that know what they're doing. At that point, I was like, Kat, you were just a virgin like a month ago. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> her exact, I think her exact quote was, I like to fuck people that know how to fuck. And I was like, um, did that dude that, that blew your back out a couple of uh, weeks ago, did he know what he was doing? Did, did 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 sixteen from last week know what he was doing? Like, I don't oh think boy. so. Sixteen from last week. His name but, is officially sixteen. Speaking of sixteen, Ethan proceeds to give Cat sixteen <laughs> of his own. Uh, that was way more than sixteen. Hey, <laughs> okay, Ethan's go. going in it. Cat <laughs> uh, or or Ethan decides to give Cat oral sex, and I guess try to communicate to her. The only way that he thinks that he can get through to her, because obviously just being her friend isn't enough anymore. Very yeah. kind of sad, uh, you know, 
turn of events between these two this week. I really have to say, like, Ethan is becoming a more endearing character as opposed to, like, another, like, third secondary character like uh, Daniel, who we'll get to in a second, who is completely opposite of that. And you see, you kind of see those those two scenes juxtaposed together uh, between Daniel and Cassie and Nathan and Kat this episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he basically, <laughs> he's going down on her. <laughs> And again, this is probably going to be another one that we clip because it's 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 just. It was like at least twenty minutes ago. I don't know if we can do this clip. Whoa, whoa, twenty minutes! That was like a good. It looked like it. No, are you really defending? Like you will defend Cat to the to the end of the earth. How's that? Defa- I didn't defend Cat. I, I, I told you she's twenty minutes. It looked like it looked like it was like two minutes. Two minutes? Okay, all right. So we'll give it two. Minutes. So two minutes of that. Two minutes of dome, and my man. He prematurely prematurely ejaculates all over himself. <laughs> he goes, I thought he peed on himself. Oh I, was like, <laughs> I thought he peed on himself. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, no good. No good. It, I mean, I still give Ethan the shout-out award. I don't know what we're going to call it. Uh, but I, I have to say, the, the way he, he didn't stick the landing there, so to speak. So to speak. No, 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 no pun intended. Something's sticking. It's, no. just not the, it's, just, it's just not the landing. What what do you feel about uh, about Ethan? I feel like he left that scene uh, probably more shocked at himself than anything that had gone on within those two minutes. Because, uh, like you had said, this his, was his one hail mary. Hey, if you want to, if you don't want to discuss anything with me as far as just being a friend and, and learning about each other, fine. I'll discuss things with you on your type of communication, and it works. Mm-hmm. It works for a small amount, uh, but he leaves that, of course busting on himself early he excused himself from everything cat kind of leaves that and goes on with the remainder of her night which we will discuss in a little bit but ethan goes back home and is giving himself a look like he's not really positive who he is as of right now yeah he i mean cat ghosts him again uh the same way that she did at the carnival and i think that this story has to get wrapped up in a i i don't know how a lot of these stories i don't know how tragic they're going to be but they are trending towards a very very bad ending and this one is as well this probably this probably will be uh, as far as danger of all of these stories this might one might be the least dangerous as of right now ethan is really looking at himself like okay i, I technically kind of got it but at what cost so he's kind of <laughs> at what cost he's kind of he's looking at himself in the mirror blood all over his fucking face <laughs> And he's just like, damn, is this what I got? Is this what I gotta do? So we're gonna find out. And um, also, also the blood on his face is from his costume. He is a vampire in this yes, episode. I yes. was I was like, let me clarify this for people that yes, please don't think that uh yeah, he was, the red lights ran. He was swimming the Red Sea. Uh speak Dear <laughs> God. Uh but yes, that's Kat's arc uh for or her main arc this episode. Uh I wanna talk about Rue. Because Rue is, I'd have to say, like fourth most important. I think they even spent more time with Cat this episode than they did with Rue. Wouldn't you say? I'd say so. I was very proud of Rue this week, um, just based on her mentality towards everything. We left last week with episode five, wondering how she is going to take on everything that had happened with her um, and her ideas of what is going to go forward with herself and Jules after that conversation with Ali. But She's coming to how she handle everything. She's coming yeah. to her senses, uh, and and a lot of that is because of, we call her sober mind Rue, uh, but she is open, and we're seeing that the, there's a schism between Rue and Jules. Whether and, and we'll learn of why that is with Jules in a mm. second, but mm. 
I mean, obviously, we already know from the last episode that Jules feels a little bit displaced because she doesn't want to be the person that is responsible for Rude getting clean. Um, we opened the episode with the, the girls uh, all dressed in their outfits. What was Rude supposed, who's Rude supposed to be? Michael Jackson? Um, <laughs> now that I look at it, it kind of does look like 1979 off the wall. But um, who's she supposed to be? It kind of it kind of looked like an odd twist on husband and wife between herself and Jules. Okay, I I saw Michael Jackson vibes from that. Well, I mean, I, she does have a nice suit on. She did clean up nice. The white bow tie, the white and black with the black bow. She did clean up nice. This is a nice little fit. This is yeah. a nice little fit for Rue. I'll go. I'll go with that. Someone will probably c- uh, correct us in the comments. Let me know what the outfit is supposed to be in the comments after you listen to this episode. Uh, but a lot of the episode, Rue feels kind of displaced and she's paranoid. She's very paranoid about what's going on with Jules. Uh, and it's, it's making it feel like it's her fault, essentially, that, that she's going through this, you know, all of this. Uh, one point that, that does get a lot of time is that she witnesses Gia. How the fuck did Gia get out the house and Rue not know where she was going? I'm, start, I'm starting to really question Leslie and how <laughs> both her daughters be getting out of here and just be coming home out of, out of random times. Because Rue completely understood. I feel like they've had this conversation more than enough throughout these past couple of episodes. But Gia is uh, much younger yeah. than Rue is. So for her to be at this party in general, I'm trying to figure out what swindle did she do to have her mom say, okay, everything's good. What kind of swindle could you do there? She's had a full-ass outfit on. I've, I I have 100% no idea unless she said, hey, mom, go into the treating. At also, that she, age, she was a Black Panther also, which is hilarious. Oh, she's playing black clans, but yeah, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of did, I kind of did see that that view there. So maybe I don't know, maybe maybe the costume was a part of it, was a portion yeah. of it. Like, hey, black Panther, okay, go ahead. So uh, she sees Gia there with the twins once again. Uh, the the best plot devices on this show, if you want to move the story forward, is the twin. Just put the twins in anything. Uh, she swear to God. She, but I I actually like the scene where she takes the twin to the basement, looks like, and shakes them down with Lexi, who was also there dressed as Bob Ross. They were not feeling the Bob Ross fit uh, on, on this episode. But she catches up. I like the Bob Ross. <laughs> I did too, I, and I think McKay did as well. Um, so she catches up with with one of the uh, twins and basically says, you know, like leave my, you know, don't get Gia into any fuck shit. Don't, you know what I'm saying? I've been to rehab and there's killers, there's, there's fucking rapists, all the type, type of stuff in rehab. And she starts naming off people that she will call if uh, Gia is hurt by whichever twin. She doesn't even care. She didn't even care which twin it was. She starts naming off Avon. Uh, she starts naming off Marlo. Mm-hmm. She starts naming off literally everyone from The Wire. Uh, <laughs> I love this scene. It's, it's a nice little H- HBO synergy there. It was cool. Yeah, she knows that Jason ain't seen no damn wire. That, and that's why I liked it, because Rue is old enough to have seen or at least heard about it. Mm-hmm. But I think that isn't it sad that there's going to be kids that were like born post 9-11 that have never heard of the wire and will never see it? Just, just completely unrelated from the show. I, I feel like it still it still has to register in my mind that there are going to be a lot of kids right now born after 9-11 kind of have to learn from it through, through, through a textbook. It still has to register in my head that that is going to be pretty normal going forward. Because those kids, let's see, born after 2001, they're more than likely turning 18 this year. Yeah. So going forward is going to be a lot more of that. It still has to kind of it still kind of has to go through my head. But I like that uh, Sam Levinson. Uh, who wrote this episode knew or kind of kind of gathered that 
the, the, the twins would not know or, or knows the kids this age would not know what that show is. So it was a nice little, not, not only a nice callback to one of HBO's most iconic series, but mm-hmm. a nice, a nice little jab at kids like saying, okay, these kids absolutely don't know what she's talking about. And of course he believed that someone named Stringer Bell is going to come kill him <laughs> if he hurts uh, Gia. But I, again, I think that a lot of what uh, this episode did for Rue was her realization. It was, it was a lot of her realizing that things are amiss, but also the way that she's been living was wrong. And, you know, no more, you know, you don't see that anymore uh, vividly than when she catches up with Fezco, who, you know, just so happened to miss him in episode four. Uh, She apologizes. And yes. and Fez Cole, you know, says, you know, I he says, I don't take nothing a drug addict says seriously because I know that a drug addict does not mean it. And I like, uh, barn her up. That's crazy. She's trying to apologize. You barn her up. But she essentially she thanks him for not selling her the drugs that day. And, you know, we we see them. The Fez Rue relationship is, is back on. And I like I like that scene. Yeah, it, it, it takes a lot to apologize for everything that had went down when she was having her small moment of of, of almost relapsing. Well, pretty much at. In that episode, she did take those pills from Jules' um, uh, dad's kitchen and wanted some more after she got more uncomfortable after that kiss. And, of course, Fez uh, completely shuts that down. But I did like how open that Fez was uh, conversing with Rue again and having that conversation of just being from a friendship type of perspective. We opened up Euphoria in general with Fez showing uh, his feelings for her and stating, you know, I really like you, but I feel like all of this is eventually going to end up doing a lot of damage to you, eventually going to kill you. And I don't want to see you doing that. And from there, there has been many different things between Rue and Fez with the fentanyl and the, the, the how upset she was and banging on his door. And throughout all of that, he's still able to be her friend because he knows how powerful these drugs have been as far as Rue's mindset. And I did like that he is, has been very open and, and wasn't 100% petty about the situation because uh, he could have been, could have yeah. 100% been because Rue had said some really fucked up shit that day. Uh, that, would, I wouldn't, that wouldn't have bothered me because I already would have known I, I had more money than Rue. But um, <laughs> is that how you was going to um, become? Is that how you come into that? Yeah, that's how I'm, that's how I'm rocking. Man, I make eight hundred a week. Man. <laughs> uh, I I have to say I I want to name the the shout of the Fezco Circle of Friends Award. The Circle of Friends. Yeah, the Fezco Circle of Friends Award. Oh, uh, it's it's okay. It's sponsored by Fezco. Okay. Yeah, the Fezco in in Fezco. I think he's always in it. I, I think he will always be there. I want to add Ethan to that to the Circle of Friends Award. Sure. He, he is a he's a pal. And so okay. we'll start. We'll start that this week. The Fezco Circle for the Anti Green Awards is the Fezco Circle for the award. We need we need an emoji for that immediately. I think the the, the handshake handshake emoji. The handshake. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Circle of friends. Like uh, but Rue is of course she's you know coming to her senses with Jules, but Jules is getting sloppy, fucking drunk, and no one knows why. We don't know why she's getting drunk, and essentially she's doing a lot of uncomfortable stuff like dragging Rue into a pool, uh, basically fucking with her head. But I mean, essentially, she's been fucking with her head the whole time, though. I, I'd say so. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I was very adamant in making sure that Jules was part of the Green War last week because um, we don't really get too much from Jules this week at the beginning. Um, we get immediately. We get enough. Yeah, yeah exactly. Rue had, had immediately noticed that there's alcohol coming out of her veins, and she said, "You know what? Uh, or coming out of her pores, essentially." She said, "Um, have you been drinking?" And she's like, "Uh, yeah, it's Halloween, isn't it?" I'm like, "Uh, that's." 
well, I guess it is kind of a good excuse, but I'm like, I didn't expect this from you, Jules. And that pretty much begins the entire train of Jules taking shots uh, with many different people that are at the party. Um, she says that tequila makes her want to dance. <laughs> that leads to the quote. I almost forgot the quote. I almost forgot the quote. I was <laughs> That was the quote that I was just like, Rue, please shut the hell up. When she was like, Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah one like, yeah, time, time I took a bunch of pills and then I blacked out and I went to high school and I did all my homework and stuff. That was crazy. Jules was like, Nigga, huh? <laughs> Jules was like, <laughs> They were what looking at, at Rue like, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, she that shit. The hell? We're on this girl. And then they kept going on through the rest of the night. But what we see in this episode is Rue not being like cool, as cool as she has been. And, like she's completely like you know thrown off of her equilibrium, and yeah, it causes her it causes her to have a panic attack. And she has one right into Lexi's arms. Who Lexi very integral in this episode. I know we've complained about her before, but mm-hmm. Lexi, I want to add her to the to the Fezco circle of friends uh, for this week for being there for Rue. Number one, and being there and being there for her sister Cassie, which we're going to talk about now. So yes. uh, it's a McKay episode, and I know that we were not happy about it. A lot of people on Twitter told us that they were not happy about it either, and I said, "Yeah, you're right. We should have got a Fezco episode." Uh, I think at first, when they did this flashback, it's pretty routine, right? It's what we expected, right? It was what I expected at least. Yeah, and it's kind of like Nate's upbringing, where it's like he's got an overbearing dad. Who wants him to be the best football player ever? And I was like, okay, this is boring. Like, what's the point of this? And it turns out that his flash, his flashback, doesn't speak enough to what he's going through now. And we we see that McKay is quite a very insecure character. Yeah, and and I feel like things maybe resonated a little bit more than they did with Nate's upbringing is because of course us being two black males and seeing that situation between um, the relationship between McKay and his father and what his father was uh, portraying and teaching McKay at a young age to be strong. um, Pretty much do not let anybody fuck around with you. And if they do try not to let that emotion in you be overbearing and yeah. get you in sorts of types of situations you saw on the field where a young mckay gets a little trash talk from somebody that was um defending him in the football game and he snaps really quickly tackles him gets thrown out of the game immediately um but when it comes to later that day explaining it to his father tears running down his face he's trying to figure out how does he channel his emotion how does he express this emotion as a male and, 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 and what he receives from his father is something that's a little bit more sports related. And I knew for a fact that that advice was probably going to end up being something that he would take later on in life when he says that he should bottle all of that emotion, all of that rage, all of that feeling that you do have and let that be an illustration of what you can do on the field. And yeah. it's amazing that he can do that on the field and, and, and make that be turn himself into a well enough football player or at least in his eyes. But we end up seeing the repercussions of that a little later. Yeah, he he is he's calculated in the same way that Nate is. I call him like the anti-Nate throughout most of this episode where it's like, you know, Nate had everything, you know, and, and McKay had to work a little bit harder. He had to work more, but then he realizes that his his chances to make it to the NFL very slim. 
and then I think I think something out of like one out of every ten thousand people will make it to the league. I didn't even know that, but there were a couple things going against him this episode. He was number one on the Green Award. Yes, like, undisputedly, and we were going to give him the Green Award every single week after this episode. For one, this nigga got a dread weave. Like, <laughs> we discussed the Travis Scotts. <laughs> the Travis Scott one Cactus Jack dread weave <laughs> that he has on this. How last week? I mean, he had it like cornrow back, which mm-hmm. I see, but there weren't that many. So like this week, he he had like six of them joints, and I was like, mm-hmm. did they skip like four months? Like what? I think, happened? I think they skipped. I think they skipped the install. They showed yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, they didn't show the install at the salon. Like did did they did somebody at his dorm room put that? Did his roommate put those in for him? What? Once, once, once we saw that we were like, "Oh, this man McKay, automatic green. We're gonna yeah. let this nigga have it this week." He was number one as soon as I saw the dread weave. <laughs> as soon as I saw the dread weave, he was number one green. He was the greenest of the whole show o- over Nate. But uh, you know, as we see, as as this, as this story goes on, and it is a very McKay centric and Cassie centric episode. Was not expecting that. Was not mad at it either. Uh, you see him disrespecting Cassie out of his own insecurities, which we learn later that they were. Uh, she wears an outfit for Halloween. He says, yo, you can't walk into this party with this outfit. <laughs> you know what they're going to say to me? And he proceeds to put a jersey on her and yeah. not pay attention to her at all. Yeah, drinking with other girls that were at the party while Cassie looks very, very miserable in a football jersey. Nobody is really paying her much attention on that day compared to what she had wore uh, to the actual Halloween party of the episode. But you saw a lot of McKay's insecurity, not only from that, but just off the fact that he's still watching these videos that Nate provided him in the pilot, um, still looking at the photos. And a lot of that is still on his mind. I, I, I... I kind of disagreed with Rue in her narration of this area where she said that Cassie was kind of playing stupid at the carnival. I don't really think that that was 100% playing stupid from Cassie. Obviously, she was well aware of what McKay was referring to. But if you're not going to be very upfront with conversing that in general and saying how you feel about that, why should I stress myself out and try and make this a much bigger conversation? If you're going to say it, just fucking say it. Just put it out there. And McKay couldn't. Yeah, if he would have just brought, and we said this on the on the episode, why wouldn't he just bring up the video? Yeah, if saw? you feel uncomfortable, if you're watching it so much, just do it. Because like she doesn't know, like obviously, and and Cassie's a, a tragic story too, and it's it's funny how these two very insecure people like intertwine with each other because they have two different ways of of outputting that energy. Whereas yeah. Cassie, it, it comes out in her sexually, and McKay comes out in him just being a complete and total emotionless dick, which we know he isn't. You know, he, he, he isn't, he's an emotional guy. Um, so, I mean, I said, you know, at first in my notes that his love for Cassie is purely, purely superficial. I think I might be a little bit wrong in that. Would you say, would you say so? Um, his affection for Cassie is a little bit odd because as much as he wants to be the emotional, oh, let's, let's break some things down and discuss but, but I mean, our emotions. He is because he does, he does treat her right when no one else is around. Exactly. And the, the, the difficult thing about it is he kind of tiptoes in between the line of doing that and then turning on the sex when he wants to turn on the sex. And that, in my head, could fuck with Cassie even more. Yeah, it, it's it's like really, uh, again, very teenage, like not not very adult like from him at all. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's very, it, you know, the mixed signals that Cassie gets, you know, will thread Cassie in here. 
uh, it causes Cassie to do what she what, what she's doing. Now, do you want to talk about the Big McKay scene now, or do you want to talk about Cassie now? Because I mean, essentially, that scene is what leads Cassie to act like how she's acting. Let's now. let's begin. Let's begin with how Cassie felt before all of this. Before the scene, exactly. Yeah. So Cassie gets drunk at the party. Because I, we, and we, the thing is, a lot of a lot of this episode is that people are getting drunk, and we don't really know why they're they're getting hammered. We're of course thinking that it's because McKay's a complete doofus, and that it's not the case at all. Uh, but she's getting drunk, and she runs into Daniel from the carnival in episode four at the party, and they go up to the room, and uh, and, and I mean, even you know, she's drunk texting him, and just like you know, she she doesn't she's confused about that what happened that the night that we haven't seen yet, and uh, so she goes up to show daniel a little bit of love and mm-hmm. and so from there the show takes us way back to the night uh in question at the halloween party at mckay's college they are he's of course like as i just said he's he's treating her right when they're in his room mm-hmm. they walk from the party a bunch of frat guys uh walk in calling him mcgay they in front of cassie too which is unbelievable but they strip him down and they they rape him it's, it's a crazy scene. I, I think the I think the timeline was hushed when we saw this scene. It's very very rough scene. Yes, my my room in general very very quiet. Um, because I just did not expect that type of bargain to happen. I, I I just expected an awkward situation between McKay and Cassie probably as as their next time having sex, and of course they have their um, dorm room that they're into. When things happened, when they barged in, I thought they're just going to be, you know, usual frat jackasses like, ah, he's having sex. Ah, we're ruined. They were kind of blocking. Ah. And then that would have just been like people being jackasses. But um, it turned into something a lot more serious when um, they started depicting everything with what is happening to McCann. And Cassie really can't do anything outside of covering up and really watching Everything that happens to McKay, because it's it's a very large amount of frat guys, uh, frat guys that looked to be much larger than McKay. And um, they do what they do in that scene and completely uh, just call them names and moan and do a whole bunch of dumb shit and just run off. There's not really anybody to to enforce anything that's going on right now. Um, they completely go, run out the door, shut it. McKay kind of separates himself from the situation and Cassie looks very, very um, worried and just 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 really stunned on mm-hmm. what McKay is going through, because obviously she does not know anything of what is going on as of right now. She just knows the door's closed and she's staring at it, waiting for McKay to come out. And McKay is 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 just damaged. Yeah, I think, you know, we always quite we always say, you know, he's you know, McKay is getting a episode because Algie Smith is kind of like one of the top three build actors on this show. Hmm. We, we see why here. I thought he was tremendous in this uh, scene, in the bathroom, having to basically kill his emotions about what happened and come out and be normal. I thought this is probably one of my favorite scenes in the show. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that when he came, he comes out, he's saying, you know, why are your shirt still on? So like, you want to have sex, right? Because he's essentially playing the role. That is that is McKay. He is playing the role of something he is not. Even him playing football, he is playing the role. Like we see with Nate, and this is why I say he's the anti-Nate and actually made more sense now. Nate doesn't play the role. The role he plays is essentially he is 100% Nate. 
yeah, it's a hundred percent who he is. Like that's his identity. This is not who McKay is at all. And, mm-hmm. uh, I thought that the, I mean, really, really great scene. I mean, he essentially tries to have sex with Cassie and, you know, he's so shook. He, he can't. And, uh, yeah, it, it it was a very awkward scene that kind of spirals the relationship out even more because she, you know, he doesn't tell her anything. He doesn't, you know, she, she's fully willing and committed to help him, but yeah. he, he just won't take it. And I thought that, you know, I had him in the Green Awards. I'm I'm going to remove him from the Green we Awards. We that shit completely <laughs> off as soon as that happened. And it really shouldn't, yeah. be, it really shouldn't um, be very humorous. But the thing that really drove it home is do you know how many things that could be going through your head after um you've just been raped yeah and that and 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 raped in a way that you may have never experienced in your life before so there could be and we don't even know if that we don't even know if that's happened before because the way he the way he went about it was so almost nonchalant yeah that is true. And that is something that I had not thought of before before now. But the one thing that really drove things home to me is just the fact that the thousands of questions that could run through your head in that type of time, he could have been fetal position, breaking down, crying. He could have tore up the entire bathroom as far as anger. It took him a few seconds to stare at himself in the mirror, let a few tears run and just completely shut down all emotion mm-hmm. and from that he it it, it it affected him being able to have sex with cassie he finished in x amount of, of time i don't even know how many seconds uh he, he cassie was completely out of it he took very I, I, long to, 16, i said 16 but it might be 12 no nah, no nah, that was i think that was a good 15 and a half i think that was a good 15 and a half i don't i don't, I don't even think he i don't, I don't even think he well, first off, he couldn't even really he, he couldn't even get it up, and for that for that to happen as of right now, it's 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 very difficult to <laughs> to even want to do that after that happened with um, McKay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, we we learned that that is why their relationship is strained at the beginning of this episode. McKay shows up to the party in a holy shit moment. Uh, because he knows where she's at and he, he's been disturbed by her, her attacks to him. He shows up. He's trying to find her, you know, desperately trying to find her. I'm guessing to, you know, try and clear these things up. Yeah. And before he walks into the room with Cassie, who is in the room with, with Daniel, Lexi turns him around and says, you know, she went to sleep. She's not here. Mm-hmm. She, 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 she went home a, a while ago. Shout out to Lexi, even though that might have been not the right thing to do. But, you know, catch 22. You down if you do, down if you don't. Uh, but shout out to Lexi for being the MVP of the episode for me for that. But it leads us to Cassie not basically not wanting to have sex with uh, Daniel because she, she really does have feelings for McKay. As complicated as they are, Daniel goes full incel, full Twitch streamer. <laughs> Full Twitch stream, full Xbox Live, Call of Duty player. One hundred percent. Basically saying, "Come on, man, my 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 dick hard, man. It hurts. It hurts." Man, just touch it. I'm like, "Oh, you can't be serious. This is a get." Uh, then I have to realize this is high school. That no words game. Daniel, he solidified his spot in the Green Awards there. But not only that, 
like like completely like stapled himself onto it with what he says to Cassie afterwards after she just basically says you know I'm not going to do it he says you know this is the second time you've done this to me he's like you think you think I'm fucking interested in you you think that any dude in the world is, it wants you for anything but sex which again highlights the insecurity of the Cassie character and what she's been told like her her mother sees her as a sex object the people at school see her as a sex object and now her own boyfriend sees her as a sex object and won't even you know won't even bridge their relationship past the sexual part he is literally covering her up and uh you you get it all out here very very rough scene for her here yeah i felt i felt very very bad for cassie in this moment she is batting down anything that daniel wants to do no fingering um she i think she touches it briefly but you know that is is really nothing um and does not want to go forward with anything that daniel wants to do and from that just complete daniel just completely lets her know and he 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 almost prefaces it by saying ah what did he say he almost pre he almost prefaces it by saying oh nobody else is going to tell you the truth but i will and just lets her know everything that he feels and more than likely what others have felt probably after seeing the photos and the videos and maybe what McKay has felt as well of just anything that he says after that just makes Cassie is going, it's it's going to be damaging. It's going to be very damaging for Cassie. Uh, I thought this was a tremendous story arc this episode. I have to say that I'm cool with everyone getting the back seat for this. I thought that it handled things. And you know what I did like about it as well is that we brought up color here and race, but this is a human issue as well with yeah. kids who are pressured to be something that they, they might not even feel like they want to do. Um, only kind of hammer even, even harder. The fact that he is a black, a, a, you know, a young black man, but it's like, I really did like this, this story. I like this episode a lot, a lot more than, you know, I thought that I would. I know in the outset that we thought that it was going to be like, oh, God, it's going to be trash, but ended up really, you know, rebounding. And I think that I'm very interested in seeing where this goes after this. And I, I want to see McKay get his girl back. I, I want to see him be real to himself. And I think that's the story here is that McKay has to be real to himself. Yeah, we thought we thought it was going to be too much heavy McKay um, as far as just pointless things that are part of his character. And maybe there were other characters that we may want to learn a little bit more of and that's where the conversation was fez and, and, and anybody else may come in but they portrayed everything so well as far as how mckay was raised how his mindset is and even even after everything goes down and, and, and everybody goes home mckay tries to find some comfort in his father once again in 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 letting him know his emotions and letting his father know in general that he is an emotional guy his father wasn't the happiest and let him know that, you know, you're, you're, it, these emotions have kind of been spiraling out. And because of that, I'm sure that's not going to make McKay feel very happy as well. This was the moment that he could have talked to McKay a lot more different than he did as a child. Now McKay is uh, in college. This is a much different son that you had when he was just a little kid playing uh, football and you could talk to him from a sports mentality. Now he's, um, embracing real things yeah it don't work it doesn't work um let's let's get to nate because i didn't expect to see him at all this episode i wish i didn't see him at all this episode fuck that i would i just wish that he wasn't uh alive yeah well i would yeah (laughs) i told him last night we're starting it this week (laughs) we're starting it this week i've had enough (laughs) 
that up. I thought I, thought I could open up to it. No. No, nah, nah. we gotta go. No, nah, we, we thought it was cool with a week off. We had a week off from him, essentially. Yeah, we, <laughs> <laughs> we had a we had a Maddie episode. It was like he was still being a jackass, but you know, he, he it looked like he lost. It looked yeah, like exactly. Yeah, he took the L. He fell back, and I was like, ah, yeah, nigga, take that L, <laughs> take that L. Yeah, I, I, I dare you to come back. I dare you to come back from last week. And now, and then, and then they said, nigga. Yeah, now and now he's he. And now I want him to die. Yeah. I was saying up front, I want him to die. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, Jigsaw himself, Nate. Uh, <laughs> we learned that he was temporarily expelled from school, which is huge for him uh, since the last episode, since the the, the Maddie incident. Um, he's been meeting Maddie, you know, every Friday at the hotel, trailing her, but also trailing Jules, which is some psychotic bullshit, mm-hmm. like super super crazy. But uh, what one thing that I did like is, uh, you know, they went to <laughs> they went to a restaurant <laughs> and they were like, yeah, uh, back table. And then the wait, the wait. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, back table, right? He's like, ah, give me one second. Like, give me one second. Let me check real quick. Did they, did they say before, like, yo, if this motherfucker, any of these kids come in. No, they got to go. Like, yeah, like that was a protocol that they were told before they got on their shift that morning. Hey, it's just Cal. Fuck it, give him twenty minutes. But if Nate comes through, nigga, ring the bells, ring the bells. So he comes, he pulls up and says, "Hey, uh, let, let me talk to you. like the manager comes up and says, let me let me talk to you.' Like you know, since you know everything is happening with Nate, we can't really have that in the restaurant. So I mean, they had to leave and I guess go find their local uh, Chili's, Applebee's, Applebee's Chili's establishment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Applebee's won't give a shit. Go ahead and slide to Applebee's real quick. Yeah, don't, don't get into the nice restaurant. And if it's Tuesday, you can have all the appetizers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Have them dollar margaritas, nigga. You ain't get, you ain't getting no good, you ain't getting no good steak tonight. They were asking him, but the thing that was funny was that while they were waiting, Kyle was like, "Yeah, what you get, man?" He was like, "Yeah, I think I'm gonna get the uh, the mac." And <laughs> while they're waiting, they're like. You know, I didn't have that state last time. Like, ah, like, uh, let me talk to you, boss. Hold up. <laughs> Yo, Nate and Aaron had their mouth ready for. <laughs> <laughs> nah, and, nah, Aaron knew. I bet you'll be running back. Aaron's like, man, nigga, we ain't getting into this shit. Aaron had a postmates on his phone. He was like, <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, everybody ate already. Everybody ate already. He was like, all right, y'all want to find out. <laughs> y'all, about to, y'all about to find out. But essentially, like, come on, man! I can't get a burger. Come on, bro. Essentially, the ostrich—you know—he's been ostracized. He has the red letter on himself, uh, and that—and that is Nate. Uh, and you know, Cal is—you know—again still kind of reeling. But Nate is basically like, I have to fix my life, and he asked Maddie in the hotel, like, "What? What am I going to do? Like, is it going to be like this forever?" And she says, "You know, you got to have a plan." Which again, Maddie. Can we put them both in the Green Award this week? Um, Together. Since, Maddie, since that's what they Maddie, are. Maddie really should be in by accomplice based off everything. I did. I was interested in the hotel scene because they do a very good job again this week of portraying the toxicness in between those two. Yes, yeah. The hotel meetings that they have ends up going from making out to Nate venting his emotions and crying to Maddie pointing her finger in his face and saying, don't fucking do this and yada, 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 uh, to sex, to watching TV, all terrible, terrible things that could be going on as far as them bonding. But to Nate and to Maddie themselves, this this is the best bonding that is possible. 
Yeah, and they're alone, no parents, no students, no one talking about them, which has them concoct this insane plan. Uh, we see Nate printing out the nudes that Jules sent to him when he was under the guise of Shy Guy. Uh, also, very interesting that even in this plan, I'm pretty sure Maddie didn't know about this <laughs> because that, or if she did, he probably lied about that as well. Or kept he returns. Low. Yeah, kept it on the low. He meets up with Jules and says, I need you to do something for me or I'm going to show these these pictures off and put you in jail. Then goes to Tyler from episode two's house. And this says, Tyler, so fucking stunned, bro. He tells Tyler, I need you to admit to strangling or choking Maddie at the carnival or I, you know, and he's like, what's my other option? And, you know, essentially he says, well, if you don't tell, Maddie's going to tell. And you're going to go to jail. He was just like, you know, there he's, he basically has a mountain of evidence because Nate has had it all thought out. I think everyone in the world at this point is like, fuck this dude, because Tyler does admit that he uh, choked Maddie. And guess who he got to corroborate the story? None other than Jules, which explains why she was acting the way she was at the party, because that ha- happened hours before they went to the, ha- the Halloween party and why she was drinking. My nigga, Jules. We've had some good moments week to week. Mm-hmm. This is a bad one. This is a bad one. Yep. And I, I I can't 100% blame Jules for doing this uh, because there are a lot of different things, very bad things that are on the line for her name and her future if she completely tells Nate to fuck off. And that's the unfortunate thing between all of this. Um, but the one thing that just stunned me about Tyler – well, there's, there's there's a few things that stun me about Tyler. One, how is your damn door still open at this point? Your eyeballs hanging, your eyes hanging out the socket. You're wearing a neck brace. How <laughs> is like, your door still open? He said he can't hear. He can't see straight. I can't, can't see my orbital bone, bro. I can't. I can't even breathe through my nose. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. Here's what you're about to do. And this this from Tyler just. Uh, Weak and scared. He's also older than Nate is. Yeah, and he got his and he's got his ass whooped. And why are you alone? Why are you alone, bro? Again, with the lights off, it makes sense. Yeah, Tyler is in a Tyler is in a pretty pretty bad place. But again, we also have to like see that like Nate is essentially like Batman now. Like he, no one can hear what he does. Like he's literally the worst villain. I I think that like there are parts of Nate that are very cartoony and. Mm. I'll admit that, but there are also parts where like, he's really despicable. And I think the blackmailing part is really despicable. The way he got in Tyler's house is one kind of nitpick I had where it's like, I'm just like, come on, Tyler. Yeah. You, you're, can't be that. you can't be this stupid. You're being, also Nate is a bit too supernatural for me at times in this show. Just to be completely calm and be like, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. I got <laughs> two options for you. And you know what? One might be a little bit better than the other. I was like, "Oh, can somebody just shoot him in the fucking face, please?" <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a bit, uh, it's a bit much. But essentially, Nate is now in the clear, or what we believe is in the clear, because it all happened. We find out that it all happened that day. Uh, Rue does mention, you know, earlier in the episode, "I wish you would have told me what happened earlier that day." And we find out that's what she should have told Rue. Rue being the narrator and kind of blurring the line between what she does and what she doesn't know. I guess we were to assume that she will find out soon because she did know that that was what happened earlier that day. Yeah. So uh, Nate gets off. Uh, Jules just looks completely. I, and I thought Hunter Schaefer did. She did a great job uh, during this scene as well. 
when they, their police uh, officer repeats, do you know that lying is is an offense for up to 10 years in, in prison? And she says, yes, I do. That was him. And she leaves. So and I was like, Jules, if you go to jail for all this shit, I swear to God. Smash cut to the party. Uh, Nate walks in with a prison outfit on the prison blues, the stripes. Just rubbing it in. And I th- and we get that one shot of Jules looking at Nate walk in with Maddie, them kissing. He looks at Jules. He even looks at Jules on some OJ Simpson shit. And then Rue, you start to see the gears moving. Mm-hmm. And I think Rue knows something's not right. And we end the episode there. Episode six. I I almost I I, I haven't really been too pissed off. I haven't really been too pissed off at Euphoria. An entire room chanting Nate's name as he wears a jail outfit and Maddie just walking in. When you texted me with the Jim Ross, like, oh, son of a bitch. I was just, I was, I was pretty upset. I was yeah. pretty upset. Like something has to happen. Something <laughs> has to happen to Nate. If, if, if Jules has already corroborated, and I don't know how much Jules can go on, can do with this going forward. But if anybody has to save us, Rue, please save us. Somebody. It's gotta Anybody. Be sober, it's gotta be sober Rue, though. It's gotta be sober Rue. Sober I feel like sober Rue has an energy that we haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. Because as of right now, all the all the uh literal drugs are out of her. I feel like she's coming down from the high that she's had from Jules. And she told that uh to Fez in general. Like the highs are high, but when the lows are there, they're pretty low. And when she discusses it with Lexi, uh when things come to a realization that she's a burden and she's getting in the way of a lot of things. It was something that we had talked about last week that we hope that it doesn't really hit Rue too hard when it comes to this realization. And as of right now, it kind of has her down, but not anything that she wants to jump back into her old life. And that's a really good positive. But if she is going to use this as the strength to try and take all of this down, I, I, I really hope that that is how the rest of this goes forward because now something it, has to happen to Nate. Yeah, because now it's not like her lover; it's like her friend. That's exactly. And I, I'm wondering how they're going to write us out of this with two episodes left. Um, of course, the next episode we're getting the Cassie episode because and I forgot to mention this. Cassie does go home after the incident with Daniel. She sees a box of tampons and she says, "Oh shit," which is probably meaning that she is pregnant because she's late. Mm-hmm. And so they we're going to get the Cassie episode uh, next uh, episode. And we are two episodes away, Mark. This has been quite the fucking journey here. This is and getting good. It's really getting good. We're in the, we're in the end game now. Uh, we got two left. Usually, you know, a lot of things pop off in the episode next to last. Uh, I The preview looks scintillating, to say the least. Uh, so until next week, we, we have nothing, you know, not much to go off of. There was a lot of cuts. I, I think I can, I'm going to look at it again and see what things that I can see. But, uh, before we head out of here, we need the green awards, Mark, who are the people on the green awards? The top three green of episode six of euphoria. Okay. Number three in the green awards of this week. I'm giving it to Daniel. Yes. Okay. Complete jackass. Might have scarred Cassie for life outside of everything else that has been going on. And more than likely we'll see that next week. But um, 
has been very questionable. I've been pretty questionable about Daniel for these past few weeks, and now everything that has come from that, now we he, we see he's just a complete asshole that wanted nothing but sex from Cassie and really doesn't think she is very well-versed in anything outside of that. So easy, easy number three. Okay, number two. Number two. Be real. Cat, I'm sorry. Thank you, thank you. Cat. Um, you didn't have to do even like that. You really didn't. You really didn't. I understand that these are really good times, getting a lot of money, still jugging, still finding yourself completely positive. You kind of broke even down into doing something that he didn't expect himself to do. And and with that, probably got some good head. It was a really good Hail Mary. Yeah. But um free head, free head. Exactly, free head? Wahoo! Who complains about who, who complains about? <laughs> I was just about. It. I'm not. I'm not. Cat, cat. Um, I feel like there's something. I feel like there's something in between that conversation with Ethan that she's. Well, obviously, something that is a conversation between Ethan that she just does not want to tell because she's really, really stuck in the empowerment area that she is in right now. But just be real with Ethan. Like you didn't like you didn't like what was going on with the carnival. It made you feel something that is a little bit negative. And maybe that's a little bit triggering to go back to that, to have a conversation with that. Just be upfront. Just be upfront. Okay. Number one. All right. Do I even have to do drum roll? I'm just going to do drum drum roll just for courtesy. Nate, get the fuck on. Yeah. He might win it next week and the week after that too. Nate, get the fuck on. We have, we have, we have to start this operation as a family, as, as listeners of overly medicated, as fans of euphoria, J5, myself, we have to get this started. Nate cannot go into season two. No, I can't. I said this. Yep. Nate has to die. Yeah, he's got to go. I, I I'm said, tired, I'm he, tired of being straightforward with this. I said, if this show goes to season two, because we were thinking like, you know, someone's going to die. Someone's going to die. Someone's going to go away. I was like, there's no way Nate can stay with the way he's acting. <laughs> there's no way. There's no way. If it's, if it's by force or by act of God, something, please take Nate out. I will deal. We we will deal with Maddie's tears afterward. We will deal with the somberness of the high school afterward. Get him out of here. Yeah. Fuck him. Fuck it. Well, I, that might make Maddie go into some Kaiser Soze type shit. Yeah. That. Well, you know. You know. I, I, I want to get into it. We'll deal with it. We'll deal with it. Yeah, we'll Maddie. With Maddie will be okay. All right. The world will be a better place without Nate. <laughs> Calling for the erratic, and you know what? Nate's actor is the 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 actor who plays Nate. Very great, very great actor. We hate him. I I hope that he can walk around, uh, walk across the street uh, safely today because I, it, I hope he gets three D. It's going to be tough for him. It's going to be real tough. But what is going to be very tough for us is saying goodbye to you guys for this week uh, for another episode of Overly Medicated. Uh, thank you for listening. As always, if you want to listen to anything else from RNC Radio, follow us at RNC Radio Live on uh, Twitter and follow us at RNC Radio on Instagram as well. Please follow us on there. We're, we're going to have so much new content for you guys coming up and coming around the pipe from there. That includes The Lookout, The A Show, The G Show, uh, Spot Callers, and more shows like this one. Uh, Mark, I want to thank you once again, sir, for, for joining me on Over the Medicated. Yes, thank you for having me. And of course, thank you to everybody listening week to week, giving your input, giving your insights, letting us know that you have now started watching Euphoria uh, because of all the conversation that we have had um, on this very good show on HBO. So we are very appreciative of that and love doing this 
for everybody and for us as well each and every week. Absolutely. So until next week, we are rolling into the end uh, and I'm very excited to talk about it and see it. So until next week, for Mark, I am Justin. Peace out. Peace, Kill Nate.